Welcome to the Just for Kicks podcast. We had just one of the greatest matches in recent memory. This past weekend, Arsenal United. It was a heavyweight fight that went down to the last second. The scenes of Arsenal celebrating at the death um, are something that, regardless of how this campaign ends, it's something that we're going to remember for a very long time. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into Arsenal's upcoming matchup with their title rivals in the FA Cup on Friday. We also got a lot of talk to the Bundesliga's back and the FA Cup's back. So we always got mitts picks for you. The best gambling tips in all the galaxy. But they're especially white hot and crispy and bankable when they happen around the time of the FA Cup. Am I right, Steve? The FA Cup and Mike, it's like lamb and tuna fish. It's great. (laughs) Lamb and tuna fish. They go together like uh, lamb and tuna fish? You prefer spaghetti and meatball? <laughs> How you guys doing today, Mike? Uh, another remarkable week. I know you're in a very zen state right now, which means you're going to give us another very exciting slate of bets. But um, you have a good week, buddy. Uh, you're rocking the Chelsea hat. Means that you're not a front runner because this is probably the worst time to be rocking a Chelsea hat in, I don't know, 12 years? I mean, I don't know. 10th place Chelsea tends to get ucl trophies so i'm i'm down with it give me some di mateo love uh i'm good i am zenned out meditated a couple times today trying to stay in tune with whatever the heck i'm in tune with right now because admittedly been calling some weird things (laughs) you have steve we have asked you if you're nervous and i don't think there's a rational reason to be too, too nervous, given where Arsenal sit right now. But I was talking to Mike on the way over here. And even with two games in hand, after City came out, hauling at the hat trick, two points. It's a narrow gap, even with two games in hand. When you got to perform to make up the difference. Well, you got to perform to make up the difference. That Arsenal did. Are you riding high? Or are you going to play it cool and say, yeah, I expected it? Somewhere in between. Yeah, 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 of course. Uh, Still want to see them against Man City, obviously, but yeah, I don't know why I would be nervous. Oh, yeah. We got that to worry about. First, I start where it seems to be a recurring trend lately. But, you know, the Italians, Juventus in particular, you know, really were the trendsetters back in 2006 when, uh, you know. Trendsetters. The trendsetters. They were. They were notorious. In um, the best and worst possible ways. So we all remember the betting scandal from uh, the 2005, 2006 campaign that, um, you know, really, really good PR that Italy won the World Cup in 2006. Because it distracted a lot of people from, you know, the perils of the most storied club in Italy, in Syria. Being accused and ultimately convicted of uh, some pretty heinous things. And what do we have here? The Guardian. Juventus docked 15 points in Serie A by Italian Federation for false accounting. Steve, what the hell's going on in turn? No one does a scandal quite like the old lady. Uh, <laughs> as you pointed out, only 16 years after the Calciopoli, the Juve has now been caught cooking the books. Basically, they've been inflating transfer fees to dodge FIFA financial regulations and uh, potentially line some pockets 
Um, you may recall the oddities of the Pionic and Artur transfer or the Danilo for Cancelo swap. Oh, I thought that was just like American influence. I thought they were like, oh, trades. That's neat. We should try that. No, 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 no. Never that simple. Yeah, particularly with some... <laughs> um, yeah, Juventus is not shy away from some shady dealings. But um, yeah, since we were singing their praises two weeks ago and... They'd won eight straight. Suddenly, they got battered 5-1 by Napoli, had to rescue a draw at home to Atalanta. Now, thanks to the deduction, they're 14 points off a Champions League. Um, They probably need to run the table in Europa to save the season. And maybe a Coppa Italia could ease the pain, but in any case, it's very tough times in Turin. So let's talk really quickly about one Andrea Agnelli. Former... Sporting director? I mean, is he, he's been dismissed, right? Is he had to step down? He resigned as the president. He resigned as the president. Um, so for those who aren't intimately familiar with sporting directors of major clubs in, you know, European powerhouses, you know, this is a guy who's been doing anything within reason, what we thought within reason, to win a Champions League, to bring Juventus back to the top of the mountain. He brought in Cristiano Ronaldo. He's been lobbying for the Super League. Um, He's just been such a massive figure in European football. He's not coming back around. This is the end of of his career, right? Yeah, well, I mean, this is the second time he's been effectively suspended in the last five or six years. Um, Got busted basically giving tickets away to the Mafia for them to resell several years ago. Um, and now he's resigned and, you know, there's a lot of egg on the face at Juventus right now. So there's no way he's coming back. What's the name of that Firefest guy? Billy, uh, uh McFarlane, maybe Billy McFarlane. It, it reminds me of that where he's like, ah, oh, you caught me. And then like a couple of years later, he turns up doing more shady stuff. Well, he certainly benefits from the fact that regardless of whether or not he's the president, he is an Agnelli who is, Owned that family's owned Juventus for what is basically football eternity. So I mean, he'll he'll figure out a way to get his tentacles around it again. I'm sure. But is this like is this the end? No, the good old boys will take care of him. But I don't know. <laughs> Juventus and Agnelli's like that's you know it's lamb and tuna fish. <laughs> yeah, it is lamb and tuna fish. But we have uh, another wrinkle in Syria that certainly is affecting the United States. Jose Mourinho, the latest name to be placed on a pedestal for everyone to give a hot take as to why he definitely should or definitely should not be the next coach of the U.S. men's national team. I think we could do a lot worse, but on balance, if you're going to go and get a marquee hire like Mourinho, Steve, is he the right guy to go with? He's better than Greg Berhalter. Okay. <laughs> the, 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 th- the three of us sober are probably better than Greg Berhalter. Sober? I would take my chances. <laughs> I think I, I think hammered were also better than Triple G. Like, let's be real. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of ideas drunk at the bar during the Holland game, that's for sure. But, uh, <laughs> I think the USA setup could use a dose of Mourinho's harsh truths and know-how, but... Uh, you know, hell, what's one more provocateur to the Burhalter Arena saga? Mike, I read the script. Uh, and I called you. And I said, in your heart of hearts, do you really believe that Jurgen Klopp has a higher than 25% chance 
of being the next U.S. men's national team coach. And what did you say? I said it's 100%. It's a certainty. I, I've, <laughs> I've been saying this for months, and y'all are like, oh, no. Well, watch. We got to hire somebody, like, now. No, we don't. Finway Sports Group. Are you sure? No, we don't. No, we don't. When's the Gold Cup? Like, tomorrow? It, the thing is, is I think... Okay, t- tell me this. If you are a sporting director for the United States of America, do you ca- like if you can wait and get Klopp or have like less preparation with Klopp for the Gold Cup? Like what do you do? Like I it, we're we're only playing friendlies up until then. We've got what's his face, assistant manager uh, Anthony Hudson. I don't know anything about him, but again, I think that the team's going to look the same as they did under Burhalter. I, I really, I never rated Burhalter as a manager. I think, sure, we got through the knockouts. That was great. Um, that was what we needed to do at a bare minimum, in my opinion. And I think that if you just wait for Klopp, that's such a better situation. Mourinho doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And you're talking to somebody who's you know supported Chelsea through the Mourinho years, and he brought a lot of success, but. He's the opposite of the type of football that the United States claims they want to play. Yeah. He, there's, there's this dead spin article, uh, just on a quick Google, it said, it says, Jose Mourinho would be a disaster as U.S. men's national team next coach. I agree with that. I, I think it would be too much drama. Just get Klopp, man. Klopp's, Klopp's done with his seven years. Give us seven years to the U.S. men's national team and see where it goes. Steve, odds that we will end up preferring the idea or romanticize the idea of Jose Mourinho over who we eventually do hire. I think they're pretty high. Yeah, I, I imagine I'm going to be underwhelmed by the eventual outcome, to be frank with you. Um, I don't if think it's Klopp, Cup, would you be underwhelmed? Of course not. That's insane. But I don't think the Gold Cup matters. Um, I would rather us take our time and get the appointment right. I agree with Mike. I think Mourinho would have been great four, five, six years ago when we were just kind of in a different place. Um, I think we want to be a little bit more progressive than that. I would love to get somebody like Klopp, obviously. Even a few tiers down from that would be fine by me. But yeah, I I don't know. I'm interested to see where this goes. I'm kind of setting myself up for disappointment. Or bracing myself for disappointment, rather. We don't care about the Gold Cup, yet we don't beat Mexico on the reg. And I think that that's probably a healthy mentality to have oh i got a pretty good record do you think it's realistic that we go into that tournament with somebody that's like a de facto interim manager or you know a couple months out i mean yeah i and i i, I do think the gold cup like I, I i care about it and for the record i hope i hope we do i just think the mentality i think that's a radical mentality for where we've been i think if the if the U S men's national team thinks that there is a realistic hope of getting Jurgen Klopp, they wait. And I think that that is a realistic hope. If you're Liverpool, you finish outside of Europe this year, you, you cordially part ways. No question about it. So you're looking at may you give Klopp, you know, a couple weeks to sort of feel out the team. It feels right to me. I hate to admit this. I think that Burhalter actually has a really good record against Mexico. He, he does. Mexico's in a pretty dire scenario right now. I, I was about to say the next decade, the United States men's national team will not lose to Mexico. Yeah, we're going to lap them on accident. They're they're in a really bad situation. Yeah, yeah. They're it, it's 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 rough there right now. 
Okay, we need to win consecutive matches at the Azteca. Which we will. Okay. I'm just saying. And I'm just saying. Well, when we come back, we're going to be talking about all that EPL action that we didn't get to at the top. Because other things are happening outside of England in the wide world of the beautiful game. Like Alabama basketball. But first this. Welcome back to the Just for Kicks podcast. It's time to talk about the English Premier League. I had to tease it, but I couldn't throw my whole arms and heart around it because we had to get to the scandals in Italy. We had to get to who's going to be coaching the U.S. men's national team. But we did have one of those moments. And, you know, maybe it's not volatility to Aguero with Sir Alex staring hopelessly, thinking he just won a title. But there was a sense, I don't want to say permanence, but there was something very, very, very real, something very material from watching Arteta and his coaching staff celebrate after the VAR review came back and Arsenal had gone ahead 3-2. After doing the unthinkable, and we'll talk about the nature of the goal. I didn't play goalkeeper. It's, you know... Maybe it wasn't the most boneheaded decision by uh, Ram Dog to uh, come for a header from a four foot eleven player, but it really, really was one of those moments this season. One of the first times this season where I felt like there was a demarcation of time passing. Arsenal are the favorites; they'd been the favorites, but even on the heels of City saying, "Hey, we're not going away; we're not rolling over." They would not die against Man United, and they remained on the front foot and had a couple of inches, you know, uh, gone one way or the other on uh, Saka's second strike from outside the box. It might have been 3-1, and they might have been possessing the ball for the remainder of the match. I guess that was probably like the 75th minute, so it could, they could have just been putting on a show. Steve, what was it like? After that VAR review came back and, you know, it was pretty much clinched that Arsenal had avenged their only loss of the season. They back up five points with a game in hand on Man City. Um, first, as a fan, how are you feeling in that moment? Uh, elated. I kind of want to address it more like just, you know, from the Premier League and title race macro, though, is I th- we're definitely watching a new Arsenal like. It's been going on all season, but they've grown up and have a belief that is basically the one thing that was lacking back in old Arsenal times, I guess. Um, you know, kind of the connotation of them maybe not having that final push or that little bit of extra grit to make it through these moments. And now we've seen them go down 1-0 twice to Man U and fight back and avenge their only loss. They've only been trailing a handful of times this season and never more than for like I think a half an hour. Um, even after Lissandro Martinez's equalizer, they didn't panic and they just have a controlled urgency and overwhelm teams um, knowing that they're going to eventually get the winner. Even in this match, it was 3 2, but Manu's goals were, you know, a long range stunner from Rashford. All credit there, but mm-hmm. that's a, you know, low percentage play. Then 
Lissandra Martinez scores while Ramsdale is on the ground. Um, but for all intents and purposes, Arsenal dominated this match. And quite frankly, I thought they dominated Old Trafford and they've been dominating all season. Um, yeah, they, they, they've officially made the leap. I don't think that I'm going out on a limb there or surprising anyone. So, Steve, really quickly, I want to hone in on that second goal that United scored. Make us a little smarter. How bad of a mistake was that from the usually very reliable um, Aaron Ramsdale? And um, how much of it was just kind of a fluke? I mean, he got both of his hands on it. He just got interrupted by Tomiyasu. Um, but he should have been aware that that was a risk and just punched it all the way clear. Um, I mean, once it slips out of his hands and he's on the ground, he's completely out of the play. So I think he would agree. You just, when you know you're going into that much traffic and there's not a 90% chance you're coming down with it, you got to punch it clear. Much like uh, David De Gea was very eager to do for some reason on the other end. Mike. Arsenal played this match in the shadow of City looking very strong, bridging the gap at the top to a mere two points. A loss or a draw, again, with the game in hand, wouldn't have been devastating, but it would have made things quite nervy, and we all know what the narrative would have been. What impressed you about Arsenal's grit, and also United's unwillingness to roll over in a very hostile environment and keep punching back? This is what we've become used to with Arsenal this year, and it's the difference between previous Arsenal sides. I think my personal criticism of Arsene Wenger, and I think a lot of people's criticism, um, I also have this criticism of Pep, is that they're unwilling to change things to get results. And so it, it's it's the reason why Jose Mourinho always used to have Arsene Wenger's number, because he would basically do whatever you needed to do to win. Sometimes you got to play ugly. Sometimes you got to play on the front foot sometimes you got to sit back and i think arteta has perfected it with this team and to steve's point they're dominating everyone i also want to make a note that i actually don't think city was very impressive against wolves i think that erling holland was very clinical if you look at that game possession was almost even shot count was almost even it came down to the quality in front of net so Mm -hmm. again if i'm arsenal I'm feeling great going into Friday's FA Cup match. It's going to be a preview of what to expect. I think Arsenal is head and shoulders above everyone this season. They're playing with a belief that I don't know if I ever thought I would see back in this Arsenal side. And it's kind of Peter Pan land, right? Like as long as all the kids keep believing, they're going to keep rolling. There was another Arsenal podcast that, uh, I forget the guy's name, sorry, but he basically said Arsene Wenger built the Emirates and Mikel Arteta has turned the lights on. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. And like again, no discredit to Wenger or Pep, two of the most accomplished managers in the game. I'm just saying that it's extremely impressive what Mikel Arteta is doing. It is. It's extraordinarily impressive what he's doing. It's as impressive as what anybody's doing across Europe, except one can make an argument for another team that Mike, and I think you have a fun fact for us about this side. Yeah. Who happen to have the exact same record as Arsenal and are having a similarly, uh, I wouldn't say Cinderella, but surprising surge. Yes. Yeah, so, so Steve 16, two and one, they boast a goal differential of plus 32. Who's the other side? Oh, you know I know. <laughs> Who is it? 
the Neapolitans. <laughs> yeah, dog. How crazy, man. Two young sides. Excitement. It's uh it's gonna be amazing. I wish we could see them both in Europe, but um next year. Next year, Joey. Let's go back to City. Because Mike, like you said, Holland has been inconsistent. And you predicted that he would not have the form after the restart that he did at the beginning of the season. Given that he had three goals, given that he was clinical, do you think he's turning the corner or more inconsistency to come from the Norwegian? There'll be more inconsistency. I mean, he's number one, human. Number two, young, right? I think the toughest thing for a lot of players in the Prem is adapting to the physicality right off the bat. He did that. But then... Never bothered Sergio Aguero. But then it's continuing and continuing and continuing. It's like you're getting punched in the face nonstop for 38 straight weeks. And so I think that that has a tendency to to wear you down. So that's where January, February, you really find out what a player is about. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Holland actually went on a, a decent goal drought uh, completely. I feel like everyone's still feeling themselves out at City. They had a really well-oiled machine, no pun intended, and brought in a out-and-out striker who does not participate in the build-up play nearly as much as they had been used to for the last few years. Um, so I still think there's a lot of familiarity that they need to develop. Um, I also think that they're developing a new system just in general not necessarily trying to assimilate him all the way into what they were doing and i think that'll actually pay dividends when they come up against some of the better european teams and those two-legged ties and those games are not nearly as controllable um, but as far as the epl goes yeah they've had hiccups um and i think it just comes down to what was it a really really efficient and well-drilled system getting having something introduced to it that despite its prowess in Holland is, you know, pretty disruptive as far as his skill set goes and what Pep is trying to do. Don't get me wrong. Holland is super impressive. I think that he, when it's all said and done, right, he's in the same conversation as Messi and Ronaldo. Which Ronaldo? Um, I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I don't rate city as much as I think a lot of people do this season. And if Riyad Mahrez wasn't in the form that he's in right now, they lose to Spurs. Who knows if they beat Wolves? Like Mahrez is carrying that team, obviously with Holland at the end of it poking him in. But like De Bruyne is in terrible form, and the De rest Bruyne of this- is in terrible form. I mean, I said it before the season. Imagine if Gundogan or Bernardo Silva had left. I mean, Silva was angling to go to Barca, but, you know, I think, you know, Pep kind of said, buddy, I need you here. And he listened. Um, Grealish is bad. Yeah, he's not good. Well, in the last few years, you know, they've been more than the sum of their parts, largely due to their just sheer talent and depth. And also because they have one of the best managers, smartest people that the game's ever seen. But this year, they're getting bailed out by talent frequently. Holland's getting hat tricks left and right. You know, if Mahrez has a bad day, suddenly that system gets pretty clogged up. And recently they've been rejuvenated by Rico Lewis. But, I mean, it, it's coming down to these kind of individual moments more than in, it used to in the past. And, you know, that's not 
granted they have very very talented players who could probably share the duty overall but yeah over time that's not a successful formula is it time to send kyle walker out to pass to remove Cancelo to the right and get a proper left back i don't know if Cancelo is coming back man like it, it he's he's so well out of favor at this point it's very bizarre because last year he slotted in every single game and i don't exactly know what the deal is but in my opinion no it's not i mean i think kyle walker should move on but i don't know that Cancelo is the answer that pep thinks he had anymore i just think moving him to the right is gonna free him up so much more and that's clearly what they were trying to do in the offseason they just couldn't get cucarella for whatever reason yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, that that back line, again, it's musical chairs. Outside of Akanji, who... Akanji's been pretty solid. Akanji has. He's been better than hockey. I mean, yeah, I mean, Pep just doesn't trust Cancelo anymore. The last few games, you know, he's not starting every match. They don't play him in the same positions. Yeah, it, they're, they're very much trying to figure this out, but they also might have been awoken by that second half against Spurs. So, In a very weird way... Um, do you think I gave Fernando Shantos cover to Bench Ronaldo as well? Um, it would have been like kind of less dramatic. I do think it was interesting. I'm pretty sure they got benched on the same day for the first time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think there might be something to that. Although Cancelo is struggling to emerge from said bench. Yeah. Guys, when we come back, we will have another edition of Mitt's Picks FA Cup edition. But first, this. Welcome back to the Just for Kicks podcast. It's time for Mitz picks. Mike Mitzner, we're queuing up the scroll. He did it again. It's getting uh, getting eerie at this point because it's not like it's not like he's taking like safe stuff. Like most of the stuff he's telling you to take, you know, is close to like plus three hundred, at least plus two fifty. He'll throw a safe one in there every once in a while, but that's just because the producers are like sweating profusely and like have oxygen like meatloaf style on the side of the stage so he's like okay i'll give you one minus 110 but you hit chelsea liverpool to draw you said it was going to be zero zero or one one it was zero zero plus 290 and throughout the pod which you know if if somebody was just listening to it as ambient noise and somebody else was playing our podcast you know on their phone on speaker far too loud in a public setting, you would have heard the Arsenal United over at two and a half is going to hit. I don't know. How many times did you say that in the last pod? Like 10 times? A lot. I also said three, two exact. And that was <laughs> a nice, you want to talk about, you want to talk about juicers. That was plus 3000. That was nice. I bet it was without further ado, Mr. Mitzner, what do you got for us this weekend? All right. So FA cup is my jam for a lot of different reasons. Taking Blackburn plus 120 over Birmingham. So I know, and sorry, Birmingham, it doesn't have the same juice that we've been getting, but we've got some got some other juices as part of Mitz Picks. Reasoning behind this, both teams are in relatively poor form. So I think that the home field advantage matters a lot in this one. Blackburn also uh, were sort of against the odds in their, their previous fixture uh, in the FA Cup. I feel like they've got it this year. So that's my top bet, plus 120 over Birmingham at home. Um, I really like this bet, and I think it's mis- 
mispriced. Uh, Preston North End plus eight hundred over Spurs. Spurs were lackadaisical against Fulham. Probably should have lost that match. Fun fact: Preston North End actually won the FA Cup all the way back in nineteen thirty-eight. Both teams kind of mixed records right now. Uh, Preston is a very defensive team, and Spurs are struggling to break down anyone and everyone. So this one feels like a Preston North End counterattack. 1-0 win plus 800 is just way too good to pass up. And then third, uh, Bristol City plus 220 over West Brom. Uh, I'm a big Bristol City fan. They recently lost to West Brom 2-0 at home. They're going to avenge that. I think what's kind of funny too is the ping pong nature of their fixtures going back uh, for five uh, West Brom 3-0 West Brom 3-0 2-2 Bristol City 2-0 West Brom 2-0 so um, this one's probably going to be 2-0 Bristol City and I've got a bonus one but you got to follow along on social to get that one also a mega juicer a mega juicer this Last week's pick did not hit, but if you have been following all year, you will be in the black. And we expect that trend to continue. So, this week's Mets picks are Blackburn plus 120 over Birmingham, Preston North End plus 800 over Spurs. Yep, plus 800. And Bristol City plus 220 over West Bromwich. Albion. Before we leave you, guys, what are you going to be watching this weekend? I'm going to be watching a match I do not recommend you bet on, but enjoy. Liverpool, Brighton, Sunday, ESPN Plus, 8.30. I want to see what the Seagulls can do. And I want to see what fight Liverpool has left. Especially if Klopp's going to be managing the U.S. Men's National Team. Mike, what are you going to be watching? I am watching... Preston North End versus Spurs. Uh, that's 1 p.m. Eastern Saturday, ESPN Plus. If uh, this is certainly not a plug for ESPN Plus, but they got um, the tournament. It's a great tournament, man. Credit where it's due. Hail, all hail the mothership. FA Cup and Bundesliga. They were a little late to jumping on the soccer train, but better late than never. And the Bundesliga is fun this year. FA Cup's fun. So yeah, I, I steal someone's login. Uh, that's what my sister is doing. Um, she's a, like I told you guys, a Bayern ultra at this point. <laughs> um, but anyways, sorry, I digress. ESPN plus 1 PM on Saturday, watch your boys Preston beat Spurs. Go take that money, buy yourself a nice dinner or half of a date. I'm going to take Dorothy Mantooth out to a nice shrimp dinner. <laughs> I might call her back. Steve, other than Steve and Edge, what are you going to be watching? Definitely going to be keeping up with the FA Cup all weekend, but for a nice little Sunday dessert course, I'll be watching Real Madrid versus Real Sociedad. Suddenly, Sociedad's only three points behind Madrid and six behind Barcelona. Um, Their leading assist is probably out with a muscle injury, but they still have Martin Zubamendi, who's getting a lot of EPL transfer noise, and the always pleasant, always delightful David Silva still pulling the strings. Kind of wild. That is wild. Also, if you want a bonus, yeah, I'm going to be doing Mike's 
parlor walls move double screen because um, Sunday afternoon in France, Rons and PSG are playing, and Rons is still unbeaten in eleven matches under Will Still, who famously started his coaching career as a video analyst after some success and intrigue with football manager. I think I brought this up briefly here. Um, quite literally, Champagne football from the Champagne region of France. And fun little fact, Ronce is paying the fines because he still doesn't have a coaching license and you're not allowed to do that in Lyon. <laughs> so they're basically just swallowing money so that he can continue this. Um, they're not having the best season so far, but they've turned around under him. It'd be very interesting to see what they can do against the front runners PSG. Yeah, that is really interesting. Um, sorry, I, I, I spaced out. I'm, I'm looking at Ken Pomeroy trying to say that Alabama is not the best team in the country. Number three? What? A, we're behind Houston? No. We beat Houston. Yeah. And we're going to beat Tennessee in like two weeks. Dude, Charles, Come on. Charles Barkley came Come out on. and he's like, I hate to say this because I went to Auburn. Alabama's best best team in the country. I'm like, it's Charles Barkley. This guy's still got Houston out of us. Do you know? Nobody believes in the eye test anymore. Go horn frogs. Brandon um, Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Jester Kicks Podcast. Check out our Instagram <laughs> at the Jester Kicks Podcast. Check out our Twitter at Jester Kicks FC. But most importantly, wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe leave a review read a review um thanks for listening but listen to mike he's really 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 in the zone and we really really should cherish this moment before like icarus he tries to fly too close to the sun again in like three months we'll see what happens <laughs> that's when we that's when we rely on steve to pick the champions league winners it's gonna be psg we've already been over this snap <laughs> <laughs> boys steve you got a fun fact for us? You got a fun thought? Uh, I, I saw an interview with Pep Guardiola where he's talking, you know, tactics and whatnot. And he basically was implicating that Napoli is one of his favorite teams to watch this season. And he mentioned that he thinks they are the best team in Europe, which makes me believe that he is basically watching them every weekend, planning on seeing them down the road in Champions League. But they're going to lose to Leipzig. So, hey, <laughs> they're gonna lose to Leipzig and PSG's gonna lose to Bayern and you can take that to the bank bro later later